Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com Welcome back to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach Christopher McCullough. Thank you, and we're continuing with our conversation with a couple who's extraordinary because they work together and uh, do relationship work together and have done for Many, many years. Linda Bloom, LCSW, and Charlie Bloom, MSW, have been married since 1972. They're trained as psychotherapists and relationship counselors. They work with individuals, couples, groups, and organizations since 1975 together and individually. They're also authors of four books on relationships. They've lectured and taught at learning institutes throughout the world, including the Esalen Institute, the Kripalu, Omega, some of the places you're uh, familiar with, the Institute for Transpersonal Psychology up in California. Berkeley Extension Program, and more, the World Health Organization, among others. You can find all about them by going to the web, bloomwork.com. That's B-L-O-O-M-W-O-R-K.com. Their books, That Which Doesn't Kill Us, is the latest one. That's this year's model of uh, sharing stories of the challenges of long-term committed monogamous relationship. Other books include Happily Ever After and 39 Other Myths About Love. Secrets of Great Marriages, and 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married. Um, just before the break, we were talking about dilettantism and sort of how easy it is to get in and out of relationships. And I know we heard from you, Charlie. I want to give Linda an opportunity here uh, to comment. Anything you wanted to add or change or controvert? I sure do. I want to make a statement, a cautionary statement to the young people because the technology is so swift and abundant mm -hmm. that the first moment that they hit a little impasse in the relationship, just a little discomfort, a little argument, they sometimes, you know, have a hundred other choices and they just go for somebody else. Right. And I just think that that's doing themselves a disservice that they don't hang in there with the relationship game to practice their skills. I think they're um, losing out on an opportunity to become stronger, more resilient, and to uh, exercise their commitment muscles. It isn't just the young people that I have concern about giving up easily uh, on a relationship that may have tremendous merit, but it's just in bud form. It hasn't really flowered yet. Most of the people who get divorced don't even go to one marriage counseling session. And that statistic breaks my heart because, as you know, Christopher, there are a lot of good coaches out there. There are a lot of good marriage counselors out there. There are a lot of good books on the subject. And there's some tremendous workshops and we got help from all of those when we were in trouble and one of the reasons that I wrote that which doesn't kill us is to pay it forward to help more people who are struggling and confused and upset and despairing because we got such good help when we were in desperate need of it thanks so much for that the the issue is you know you're right we're indoctrinated from a very young age and there's all this drama before we find our mate, and then all we're left with is, and they lived happily ever after, right? There's no, there's very little conversation about the struggles, the, the ways to deal with everything from 
decreased sexual desire for your partner. You know, you go from this, as you, as you point to, you know, the kids today and even people our age today are, you know, one swipe away and 20 minutes uh, <laughs> drive from, you know, the most intimate of relationships or acts anyway. And then, you know, then we have to talk as opposed to what you and I grew up doing, which is you would go to a place and those were your choices, right? The people in the place. So you'd go to a bar or a dance hall or whatever you would go to, and that's who was there, right? Nowadays, you can swipe your to your heart's content or, you know, find whatever you're looking for or whatever you might think you might be looking for available with uh, just a couple of clicks away. What's You guys have talked to so many people and experienced so much yourself. If you could wave your magic wand and give people, and I'm thinking couples now, people who are coupled one thing or take one thing away, what would you give us or take away from us? Um, when we wrote our first book, um, 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married, mm-hmm. the very last one in the book that we wanted to leave the reader with was <clears throat> um, that the possibilities that are available to you through a successful committed partnership are even greater than you can imagine. We wanted to leave people with um, an image of a possibility of something that is even beyond what they think they can expect. Because if you have um, an awareness of how your life personally can be deeply enhanced by creating um, a successful partnership with another person in which there's mutual commitment and support, then you will have the motivation to take on the challenge of doing the work that's necessary to bring that about. Beautiful. Anything different for you, Linda? Yes, I'm totally with what Charlie says. And I just would add that I'm a big believer that great relationships are not discovered. They're created. I think this is not so romantic, but I think it's true that there are a lot of people out there who have the good raw materials and there's enough if they're interested in growth and development, there's enough there that you can co-create over the years something really magnificent and beyond what your imagination could even conjure up right now. So I'm totally with Charlie, but both people have to have a work ethic. They have to be able to roll up their sleeves and use what the relationship tosses up for them is grist for the mill to learn about themselves and to learn about other, to learn about their own shadow and their dark side, the part they don't want to admit that they are. You know, some of our friends see those parts and they think that's the most interesting part about us, but we're, you know, loath to show that. We're busy hanging out behind the image. So there's nothing like a committed partnership that really uh, it forces you to face yourself and who you are and to own your wonderfulness and your attributes and your weak suits too, which are workable and they can become stronger. So there's nothing like a committed partnership that will do that and bring us to fullness and wholeness. It's a, it's so true, such a challenge, such an opportunity. I want to talk about uh, our time's flying by and I want to talk about sex and fighting. 
not necessarily together, although sometimes it's good when they're together. <laughs> um, let's talk about sex, baby. You're, you came together, I assume, through a, in a time that was famous for being the sexual revolution. You've been together through, you know, the 80s and 90s and all those hairstyles. And I imagine, I like to think, that you guys are still enjoying a sex life uh, well into your late 30s. I'm teasing. Uh, about you. <laughs> but um, what what is actually to be expected? I mean, when people couple, there is, after a certain number of years, a drop-off in sexual desire and in sexual invent- adventure and inventiveness. Is that not true? I think there is a, a, a little calming down. You don't have the hormonal drive that you did. And you're absolutely right. We were flower children in the 60s. You know, we've been together since 1968 with bell-bottom pants. And it was the sexual revolution. And, and it was a wild scene back then. So we know that scene. And we know the calm down scene. So I think that it's realistic to think that things, you're not going to be as hormonal driven and that things are not going to be as, you know, intense. But I do think that it is reasonable to expect that if you don't allow a mountain of incompletions, the things that aren't dealt with clogging up the works in your relationship and you keep things, you keep abreast of issues of relationship, you don't let the resentments, you don't let things accumulate, that there's a clear open channel for emotional intimacy and sexual intimacy. In September, Charlie and I will be together for 50 years. And I'm here to testify, and there's a lot of people in our Secrets of Gay Marriages who were in their 80s who were testifying that the sexual relationship was still in good shape. That was really good news for us to uh, talk to those long-term couples that have been together 50 years and more, mm-hmm. saying that it can, it can stay vibrant over time. But you have to keep yourself vibrant over time. You have to do your own work to recover from pessimism and to have optimism, to think in possibilities, to be a growing entity. And then you bring your juicy self and hopefully your partner's doing that too. And they're bringing their juicy self, a live self, vital self. And that can keep the sexual charge plenty hot enough well into the decades. Now, Charlie, let's you and I talk man to man for a second. There are many people who would say that as men, we are not built, not structured around, and not good at monogamy. You've been this with this one woman, this one, only one of three and a half billion women for 50 years. Any, anything you'd like to confess to Father Christopher here? <laughs> well, when you put it that way, um, yeah, I will admit that... Um, for much of my life, um, I, I was one of those men who was absolutely a firm believer in that dichotomy of um, having to commit to one person when, this was my term, by nature, uh, we are not monogamous. And so that was a struggle that I, that I had for a long time. And um I just want to say you don't have to be male to have that struggle. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That, that's why I wasn't going to say that, that men have, that, you know, right. many of us do. And um, 
I still haven't come to a conclusion about that yet. I'm not sure. You know, it, at times, it really does look like this This is not natural. I don't see any evidence that in, in, in nature that this would necessarily be, be the case. Um, but what I do, what I have concluded is that um, I've made a decision and chosen a partner for whom polygamy is not an option. <laughs> and she's made that really clear to me. Um, <laughs> In terms like, I will burn your shit and leave it on the lawn kind of thing. Well, on, a, on a good day. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, you know, in the early, early days of our relationship, I, I tested her. And mm -hmm. um, uh, I found out that she means it. So um, uh, I, I've made that choice. And I have completely come to terms with it. And um, I, I have found that by not, um, you know, I can experience and I do experience um, feeling um, appreciating beauty in other women, in feeling an attraction to them, and even in feeling a desire to be with them intimately sometimes. But what I don't do is I don't indulge that. I don't feed it. I don't reinforce it with, with thoughts and fantasies. I simply, you know, I acknowledge it. And then, you know, what happens is it passes. And, and I don't feel deprived. And I don't feel like I'm being denied of something. But uh, I, I have had to deal with that, um, you know, some of those feelings in the past. And um, that's one of the challenges of being in a committed monogamous relationship. We do not take a stand one way or another on monogamy or polygamy with people. Um, but, you know, like Linda says, for practical reasons, it, I mean, Jesus, it's hard enough to maintain a healthy relationship with one person. Right. You know, try doing it with two or three. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I can't even, I just don't have the time or the energy for that. I'm with you, brother. I have often said, as I meet people who are in polyamorous or, or you know, multi-partner relationships, I said, boy, it's like three-dimensional chess. I mean, you could, but why <laughs> would you, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. Let's talk uh, about fighting. Oh, sorry, I want to, uh, one more follow-up on sex. So, What's I, I need a I need a simple answer to this and and I I'm open to it from either or both of you. Uh, sometimes we find ourselves in a relationship and even married to somebody and we develop something in our sexual appetites. It could be a fetish, it could be a preference that's been dormant for a while or something, right? And we find out that our partner is not into it, right? Maybe we've uh, you know seen the Fifty Shades or read it and we decided oh I'd like to try BDSM and and our partner is you know over there exploring her feet or something right some other area that we're not so interested in what's a what's an advice what's a um, activity what's a recommendation for people where their appetites aren't exactly lining up well I'm I'm seeing it as similar to the the high appetite and the less appetite, that there's a lot of lessons and patience for the person who has the high appetite, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of lessons and generosity for the person who has the lesser sex drive, the low D. And it for the behaviors, it's also some of the things we're going to need to let go and clear it and be forgiving and patient, and they're not into it, and. I think that it's worthwhile to let our partner know if something's really important to us. Mm 
and that this is something that we crave and desire, would they at least be willing to stretch into our world to try to meet us there? And to see if you can negotiate for your needs. Sometimes I think people have fantasies about what would really light them up sexually. And they're sort of closeted about it. And mm-hmm. I always think that's a shame that they don't go public with their prayer to their partner and say, you know, I just I just keep being haunted by this idea that I want to try this and such. And I'm a little embarrassed to tell you about it. I hope you don't think I'm too kinky and perverted, but would you be willing to just play with me just a little bit with this? And you have a safe word that if it gets too wild and too obnoxious and too scary for you, we will stop. But see if gently, respectfully, you can play that edge. Nice. One of my, the only funny line from the movie Sisters uh, with Tina Fey was when John Santa said, my safe word is keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about how people can find out more about your work. The website is bloomwork, B-L-O-O-M-W-O-R-K.com. And you've got some things coming up in addition to many book signings, including one at my favorite bookstore in Mountain View, California. Um you're going to be putting on your Secrets of Great Relationships Multiversity in May, the 4th to the 6th, and then a Love, Sex, and Intimacy workshop at the Northern California Mindfulness Institute in June in Berkeley, California. Anything you want people to know, or should they just go to the website and look at their calendar and your calendar and find something that works? I want to put a plug in for Multiversity. It's right here in our neighborhood. We live in Santa Cruz and Scotts oh. Valley the next town over. And they have done a beautiful job remodeling Bethany University and making the place gorgeous. And they have gourmet chefs in the kitchen and the housing is beautiful. And they're having some of the most wonderful workshops, workshop leaders from all over the country to come. And a lot of people don't know about multiversity yet. So I'm just delighted to be able to sing their praises. We taught there the third weekend they were open, and I'm delighted that we're going to be there again this spring. And uh, the Secrets of Great Relationships is one of our most popular classes, and we cram a lot of value into the weekend. And I make myself available for people to call me if they're on the fence about whether this workshop is for them or not, because sometimes when they're uh, as far enough along to call me, then when they hear a little bit more detail about what we handle in the workshop, they come down off of the fence and they go right away and register and sign up. Great. All right. Let's uh, also talk about or give a plug for the books. The latest book is That Which Doesn't Kill Us. It's an honest, uh, uh, well-told story of some of the challenges you two have encountered and surmounted in your 50 years of marriage. Uh, And then also Happily Ever After and 39 Other Myths About Love, Secrets of Great Marriages, and 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married. Those four books make an excellent uh, gift and or to yourself and your, or your partner if you're in considering or uh, trying to get out of a long-term relationship. Let's go back a step to fighting. And I want to be clear, we've got just about five minutes left in our time together. Um, what are most people doing wrong in the fights they're having with their partners? And what's the, if you could wave your magic wand, what's the one thing you would give us all in arguments, fighting and conflict with our partners? Oh, boy. Well, almost all of the work that we do with couples, um, or the the vast majority of it, 
really has to do with managing differences and um, managing um, conflict. Because one of the things that we tell people is that differences are inevitable, particularly given the fact that we are attracted to people who are in some fundamental ways different from us. So we're, it's a given that we're going to have differences. That's not the problem. The problem is what do we do when the differences show up? And what most of us uh, do um, out of our own experience, we have uh, an impulse to either control or the fear is being controlled. It's either I'm on top of this thing and I get my way or else I lose and they win. So it's a, it's a win-lose context that we're viewing it through. And one of the things that we try to help people to see is that in committed partnerships, there is no such thing as win-lose. There's uh, only the appearance of winning and losing. And the appearance of winning ultimately means that we both lose because there are consequences to me winning an argument through force, coercion, or domination. And um, the consequences are is that whether the other person actively, outwardly, overtly um, expresses their hurt or anger, I'm going to have to deal with that. That's going to be a factor in the relationship. That's going to diminish trust. That's going to interfere with intimacy. And so when one of the things we try to help people to see is that that whole model of win-lose that maybe applies in business, maybe applies in other parts of your life, it does not apply here. Even if you, quote, win the argument, if it's at the, the expense of the other person's self-esteem, you're both going to suffer. And then they're open to beginning to learn some of the practices that will enable them to become more effective uh, participants in the process, to be partners in the process of mutually committing to a resolution that is satisfying to both people rather than trying to win. I want to add to what Charlie's saying, and I'm totally with what he's saying. If you're looking for the magic wand and you're looking for the bottom line, vulnerability is it. Because when people are on the surface about what they're debating about and arguing about and fighting about, they need to go deeper than that. And when the anger and the resentment, even rage, is so strong, it's very difficult to get down to the more bottom line. But underneath the anger, there's always hurt and fear. And when people can pause and reflect and go down to those most tender, vulnerable feelings, it's a different kind of a conversation. They may not come to agreement, but they will come to an understanding. But when they're on the surface level, they're not really going deep enough to have a meaningful interchange where they understand each other and feel connected. And this is next year's book. We're going to publish the conflict of connection because it's such a huge issue for so many people. Beautiful. We can't wait, literally. And we've just got one minute left in our time together. Is there a parting thought or a parting shot, something you'd like to challenge 50,000 or so coaches to take on or consider today? Um, very quickly, briefly, relationships are work. 
they're, they're um, particularly in the early stages, there's a lot of work to do to get aligned. And it's worth it. It's worth it to do the work because what you will get, what you stand to gain, is infinitely greater than what you have to do to get it. And don't be shy to ask for help. We live in a culture that worships independence, and it's a handicap because there are so many things that are the nuances and the finesse about what makes a relationship thrive. And there are couples who are in the graduating class head who have some practical advice to offer. There are clergy that have practical advice to offer. They're workshop leaders and coaches and Beautiful. Well, I, I think that we've uh, faded you out there a little bit. The website, again, is Bloomwork, B-L-O-O-M-W-O-R-K. My thanks to our wonderful guests, Linda and Charlie Bloom. And go check them out. They've got events coming up, including The Secrets of Great Relationships. You're listening to The Coaching Show, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Nowadays, Internet devices are an integral part of your home. Everyone in your family has a smartphone, tablet, or a computer. Life is easier knowing that all your devices are secured and your family can surf the internet carefree. ESET Multi-Device Security Pack does just that. One license for all your devices. With ESET, it's simple to stay protected and save money. Enjoy safer technology with ESET Multi-Device Security Pack at ESET.com. That's ESET.com. Do you want to be a professional coach? Are you in business trying to make a real difference with people you manage or work with? Have you started a coaching practice that isn't quite getting off the ground? Get the skills you need to be a successful coach today with the Coach's Training Program from Accomplishment Coaching. The Coach's Training Program will show you how to help others focus and be more fulfilled. Whether you want to improve your company's bottom line or create a thriving coaching practice, Accomplishment Coaching can give you the distinctions and practices you need to coach others effectively today. Accomplishment Coaching has spent six years developing a cutting-edge coaches training program that will have you ready to coach people professionally in just 12 months, and you don't have to take time off work to do it. To find out more about the Coaches Training Program, just call 1-888-548-6813. That's 1-888-548-6813. Hi, Scale listener. This is David Finkel, co-host with Jeff Hoffman of Scale Your Business. I wanted to let you know that our newest book, Scale, was just released and to encourage you to get your copy. The book will give you seven proven principles to grow your business and get your life back. Scale will help you work less by getting your business to produce more. Get your copy online or at your local bookseller. For more information, visit us online at scaleyourbusinesstoolkit.com. Cybersecurity is the fastest growing job sector. The SoCal Cyber Cup Challenge encourages kids to consider computer security as an interesting course of study and a valuable career path. Securing our eCity helps lead this youth competition to create interest and awareness among students and their schools. The SoCal Cyber Cup Challenge. Learn more at securingourecity.org or call 619-630-2444. Do you love wine, but it doesn't love you back in the morning? Then it's time to try Alcotox, the ultimate hangover cure. Alcotox is a dietary supplement that reduces the harmful side effects of alcohol, 
and it benefits all alcohol consumers, not just those who occasionally overindulge. So now, for less than the cost of a drink, you can wake up hangover-free. To learn more, go to vinvillage.com and let Alcotox make hangovers a thing of the past.